Good morning out there, Four Oaks Church. It's Pastor Paul in here on a, let's see here, Wednesday morning, March 22nd, 2023. So glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. We, just so you know, maybe you're kind of new to these things, what, what we do here. So each and every weekday, we take 10 or 15 minutes here at 8 a.m. to walk through a portion of Scripture. And this portion of Scripture that we're walking through is the one that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday. So we're preaching through the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks. And instead of kind of coming behind the sermon afterwards and making some post-commentary, um, we're, we're focusing more on the biblical interpretation side so that as we're as I'm kind of working through the passage during the week and interpreting it and thinking about applying it and then preaching it, I'm also inviting you to kind of come along with me so that we can interpret together. So Lord willing, God gives you some tools to use in your own personal study of the Bible and biblical interpretation. So with that in mind, we are up to the most famous sermon ever preached in the history of the world, the Sermon on the Mount, preached by Jesus, of course. And, and part of what we do is we start on the outside uh, of the, our concentric circles, and we're looking at context. And of course, the, the context here is that Jesus has quite a crowd following him. And Matthew's been keen to show us that that Jesus is king. And there may even be people in the crowd that are thinking he is indeed the Messiah king. But now that Jesus has their attention, he gathers them up and he's about to give them the rules of the kingdom or the way of the kingdom. The things that are to mark those who follow the king, Jesus, and participate in his kingdom building. And the way that he begins the Sermon on the Mount, of course, is with the Beatitudes. And so let's read those. Those are going to be the ones that we're, this is going to be the section of Scripture we're in this Sunday. And let's continue to unpack this together. Verse 1, chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he, meaning Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the last couple times we've been doing this, We've tried to communicate the idea that what Jesus is doing here at the onset of the Sermon on the Mount is inviting people in to the way of life, the way of wisdom, the way of flourishing, the way of peace, the way of shalom. He's saying that if you want to be happy in your life, which we all do, it's a God-given desire. If you want to experience joy and shalom and peace to your soul, 
then you are going to have to follow a trajectory of righteousness or alignment of your life with the values of the kingdom. And this is not a tit for tat. This is not a, a, a righteousness leading to salvation, okay? That's a different kind of righteousness. That's a forensic righteousness, an alien righteousness that Jesus um, gives to us and counts on our behalf because of his death for us. What we're talking about here is a an experiential righteousness, a real righteousness that is flowing out of our hearts. Now, this righteousness is never going to fully align with the values of the kingdom because we're sinners. That's why Jesus had to die for us. But what Jesus is inviting us in here to is the good life, that if we truly want happiness, joy in our souls, there is a pathway that Jesus is inviting us to walk down. Now, last time we said that essentially there's a gazillion ways to divide up the sermon, the, to divide up the Beatitudes. And there's a lot of them are compelling and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. But um, one that I suggested to you, and I don't, this is not necessarily one that I've heard articulated in this way, and it's certainly not the only way to think about these Beatitudes, but think about them in sort of a, a, a threefold sequence, okay? And that threefold sequence would essentially be the first three or four Beatitudes are orienting ourselves to ourselves. Um, they're, they're calling for a particular disposition in our hearts, a self-evaluation. The second um, set of Beatitudes, the next three or so, are meant to think about how those how that internal disposition works itself out in relationship to others. And then finally, we see the result of those interactions, okay? That's the last set of Beatitudes. Now, I wanna camp out on these first three Beatitudes in particular, um, and let me read those again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, let me talk about each of those briefly. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It doesn't mean to poor mouth yourself, okay? It doesn't mean to have sort of a, oh, woe is me. What it means is that we have a right assessment of who we are and when looking at who we are, we see very clearly who we are, um, which is we are a broken, fallen, sinful people in person, right? So the, the one who is poor in spirit is the one who does not think of himself more highly than he or she ought. The one who sees their true condition in view of God and his holiness, and his sovereignty, and his righteousness, and his justice. And so the opposite of this might be something like pride, might be something like self-assurance. And the reality being is just like the, the, the church in uh, Revelation where, where Jesus says, you think you are self-sufficient, you think you are um, all of that, but you're really poor, pitiable, blind, and wretched. And the fact that they couldn't see that was a great hindrance in their fellowship and communion with God. And so here, 
Jesus says it begins by acknowledging your utter brokenness and sinfulness before God. That's poor in spirit. This in turn leads, secondly, blessed are those from who mourn. So, so when you get a glimpse of who you are on the inside, who you really are, and tell the truth about yourself, you can have a couple of different responses to that. One, you can ignore that, okay, or live in denial of it. And when we do that, bad things typically happen, right? We try to suppress the truth about ourselves. We try to suppress this anxiety um, results, and we are drawn to various kinds of addiction, whether it's food or sex or gambling or power or travel or trips. And it's a, it's a way that we that we are wrongly dealing with our sin and and our brokenness. But when we truly see ourselves for who we are, and we come to the bottom of ourselves, what we're told here is that we are then led to mourn. We are then led to confess our sin. We are then led to lament our sin. And it's in that place that we are then comforted, right? And, um, and so, so this poverty of spirit leads to a mourning of our sin and a confessing of our sin, which then situates us differently inside. Look at verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What is a meek person? A meek person is not a quiet person. A meek person is not a timid person. That's what we think about. Um, that, that's what we think about in terms of meekness. No, a meek person is someone who is not too quick to assert themselves, who is not too quick to assert their rights, who is not too quick to assert their perspective. And when, when you and I, so you can see how these things build on one another, right? The person who's poor in spirit and humble is led to confess their sins and mourn, who is then led to a posture of not thinking that they have all the answers, not thinking that they have all the solutions, not thinking that their take on everything is the one and only take, and that has to be expressed. They are meek, not that they're necessarily that means they're quiet or they're timid or they have lack of self-confidence, but they are circumspect about asserting themselves. That's their internal posture, okay? That brings us to the fourth beatitude, which, as I said yesterday, is sort of a hinge between the first three beatitudes and uh, beatitudes five, six, and seven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Here, 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 here's what's happening here. All of these internal evaluations of ourselves spiritually, where we're, where we're taking inventory, we're confessing our sin, we're rightly um, examining ourselves, we have the right sort of internal posture, that in turn, Jesus says, is going to lead for a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not a hunger and thirst for asserting ourselves, not a hunger and thirst for pursuing our own hedonistic autonomous pleasures, all right? But in fact, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And so here, um, what's happening is this internal disposition is now taking shape outwardly. It is now seeking expression, not just internally, but in relationship to others. 
Okay. And the way that expresses itself in relationship to others is what we're going to talk about tomorrow in Beatitudes uh, five, 5, 6, and 7 and verses 7, 8, 9. But, but for now, please note the sequencing. Please note the way these build upon each other. They're, they're sort of epigenetical. They're, they're, they're building and giving birth to the next thing that comes in line. And so what a great opportunity um, to do some self-evaluation. Am I poor in spirit? How do I respond when the truth about myself is exposed? Do I deny it or do I mourn and confess it? Am I meek? Um, how do I posture myself in relationship to other people? Is there a hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Understanding that in those things, all those things are the path to happiness, the path to flourishing in God. All right, let's pray. We'll be back tomorrow. Lord, we do want to flourish. We do want to be happy in you. And so, Lord, give us your grace. Pour out your mercy upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.